You've got style, scene one alpha. What were you like as a kid? Ooh. Um, I would say I was very challenging, really, really hyper. I was a smart aleck, uh, as we would say. Kind of spunky. Uh, such a tomboy. What would you say your style is now? A little bit hippie-ish. Always comfortable. Matching. Timeless. I really don't have a style right now. <laughs> Can you describe your personality? On or off the golf course? Bright. Awesome. Loud, very loud. Outgoing. Daring. Spontaneous. I don't want to say dramatic, but a little bit. <laughs> How do you best connect with God? So that's a great question, and in a moment, I'm going to uh, help answer that question for all of us. Before we do, uh, I wanted to get to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are sitting here, uh, and to my mom. My mom's not here. Uh, you might not know this, but I didn't grow up in Maine. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so she's at home, and I've heard she watches the message sometimes. So mom, Happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a wonderful one. To all your moms here, I hope you do too. Um, I'm not doing a Mother's Day message, but I did want to read something quick out of Scripture about the importance of being a mom. Uh, on your way out this morning, all your moms, there's this card in the back table. Uh, when they looked at it this morning, they said, oh, it's a card with words on it. Um, it's a card with words on it. But here's what, what the words say. Moms, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Uh, and I do believe that with all of my heart as a dad of three girls, um, seeing the influence of a mom on those children um, your influence is long-lasting, and it's scriptural. It's not just my opinion. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, who's kind of his spiritual son, somebody he's mentoring and raising up, and he says this about Timothy, Timothy's faith. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning reading at verse 5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. For this reason, I am reminding you to fan the flame of, of God or the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Moms, your influence, grandmoms, your influence, it lasts generations. It lasts lifetimes. What you do, the person you're raising right now, could be your greatest impact, your, your, your greatest uh, opportunity to make a difference in this world. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being a mother. Thank you for caring for your children. Thank you for the influence you have and for making a difference. Uh, it does not go unnoticed. So moms, happy Mother's Day from all of us at Journey Church. Make sure you grab a gift. There's some stuff on the table, and uh, you can grab one of everything back there. We love you, and we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. For all of you who are online, <clears throat> thank you for joining us. For your moms online, happy Mother's Day to you as well. So we, we started, we're going to start off today by looking at that question. Um, how do you best connect with God? I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, I'm going to start off by, by giving you a little context to this series and what we're jumping into. Uh, a, a little, uh, almost a year ago now, um, the, some of the leadership team and I went away for a retreat, and I've kind of shared a little bit about this, but we were talking about 
how we were feeling and why we were feeling down, you know, it, the, the typical notion at that point, well, it's the middle of a pandemic, so everyone's feeling down. We, we wanted to dive in a little bit and, and kind of figure out, like, what's making us uncomfortable? Why don't we feel settled? Why don't we feel right? And what we realized was, <clears throat> through some conversation and, and some prayer, we weren't connecting with God. The, the pandemic had altered our lives and the ways we used to connect with God and the things we used to do that, that filled us up and made us feel that, like we were connecting and knowing God and growing in God. It, we had, it had kind of separated that. I'm sure you may have felt that way sitting at home or you know, working isolated, whatever it might be, if there's kids here and school was completely different. But we felt like we were, we were no longer really connecting to God. And, and then the question became, well, how do we do that? How do we get back to that? And I think for, for some of us, the pandemic has brought that on, but, but the reality is, and this is an, an honest guess for me, this is an assumption, but I think that's how most of us tend to live our lives. There are certain people who, who do connect with God, and we have this kind of ideal uh, um, kind of a dream, maybe the, the, this, this picture in our heads of what it would look like to really connect with God. I've met some of these people. As a matter of fact, some of my mentors have been this way. They wake up at, at really early. This is their ideal day. They wake up at like 4.30 in the morning. And I know at that I've lost like 90% of you. Yeah, it's never happening. They wake up at 4.30 in the morning and they go downstairs and they, they brew a pot of coffee and they grab their Bible and their journal and a cup of coffee and they head out to the front porch or maybe the back porch and they sit and they spend, and I'm not lying, hours with God. That is like the perfect start to, to their day. And I remember meeting with a mentor when I was younger and, and him telling me that. I'm like, that sounds amazing. I was never able to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and brew a pot of coffee. I couldn't see straight at 4.30 in the morning. I had no idea how they did it. And I, I, I grew up feeling like, to be honest, a little bit of a spiritual failure. Like, if that's what it means to connect with God, why can't I do that? And, and I, I tried, and I'd set my alarm, and, you know, my alarm would go off for hours, and my wife would elbow me and hit me, and my kids would come in and turn the alarm off. And it's, like, it's just not, it's not working. And I, I, there was this ideal. There was this, this idea of, of if you're going to connect with God, you've got to get up at 4.30 in the morning, grab a Bible, grab your journal, and, and, and head out and spend time with God. And if that's what it means, then I'm always going to fall short. And my guess is, and maybe you don't feel this way, maybe you are the 4.30 in the morning people. I'm talking to a bunch of, you know, really good godly people who wake up early and do that. But if I think if we're all being completely honest, that's not how it works. At that phase of my life, I had little children. So, you know, I really felt like I was getting a whopping five minutes a month with God. And most of that time, they were spit up on my shoulder and kids were screaming and the house was a mess. It didn't feel like I was really connecting, like I was really growing in my relationship with God. And, and that became an issue for me. And my guess is for, for all of us here, if we're being honest, maybe about 95% of us here would be, it's my assumption, but I think that's where we're at. We find it difficult. We find it challenging. We find, we find that, that there are, are some ways that are just really difficult for, for us to connect with God. And so we feel stunted in our growth. It never really progresses. We come to church and, you know, we may join a small group or we may occasionally read a scripture that pops up on our social media feed, but there's no real growth in that relationship. And ultimately, what I want for all of us is to know God and to know him well, to grow in that relationship. So what we're going to discover through this is, is how can we do that? How can we grow in this relationship? When I asked one of my mentors, how do you do that? Can you show me? He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this book. And he handed me this book here. It's called Sacred Pathways. It's written by a guy named Gary Thomas. And he said, I want you to read this. This will help. This isn't going to give you the answer. It's not going to make you uh, connect with God. But it's going to show you some facets of your life, some ways that you can connect. 
Uh, I don't know if you're like a, a temperate kind of a person. Where it seems like to be all the rage right now. People want to know what's their temperament, what's their personality, what are they kind of like, and they, they dig in. Let's just be honest. Show of hands. Anybody here interested in, in personality types or who you are or, or how you function? That was like two of us. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'm that way. I love it. And I, I got the mic, so you're going to have to listen to me. Here, here's what I am. On one personality profile, I'm a red. On the Enneagram, I'm a one, so I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, and I think that drives my wife and my team crazy. And uh, on, on another personality profile, I think on the disc, I'm like an IS, and uh, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. I, I love learning a little bit more about myself and who I am and how God has wired me and, and, and how that, that functions. As a matter of fact, I, I think of this, even if you don't like personality profiles, I think everybody should be a lifelong learner. Everybody should want to know a little bit more about themselves and how they're wired. If you're a, a, in a relationship, if you're married, you should want to, to be a lifelong learner about your spouse. If you have children, a parent, you should want to know, a, a, be a lifelong learner about your children and how they're growing and how, how they're wired, how they, they were kind of built by God to behave and to grow and to learn. And, and as we're going to talk about today, to, to connect with God, to connect with our Heavenly Father. We should want to learn and grow and, and kind of grow in these ways. And that's what we're going to do through this series. The book is all about this idea of, of pathways, of ways that we connect with God. There, uh, he highlights nine of them, and he uses this terminology, sacred pathways or spiritual temperaments. But there's this idea that we've all been kind of built in a way. God crafted us in a way. He wired all of us uniquely in a way to connect with him. And that perhaps the reason we haven't connected with God or we don't feel like we're growing in a relationship with God uh, in a great way, or maybe it just seems really frustrating, is because we've been doing it wrong. It's because we, we've all kind of lived with, with that ideal of 4.30 in the morning, Bible, journal, coffee, and, and I've got to get out and I've got to do it. And I don't know about you, I'm not a journaler. I try every year. There are journals all over my office, and they all have about one or two pages of notes in them. Maybe you're like me. I try. I think that's a great habit to get into. I'll never be a journaler. I'm 41. It's never happened. It's not happening. But I beat myself up over it. Well, I would love to do that, and I'd love to pass it on, and that seems like that's how people should connect, and it doesn't seem to work for me. Because that's not how God wired me. And perhaps that's not how God wired you. And what I want you to discover is how did he wire you? What, what are the steps that you can take? But to do that, to, to kind of jump into uh, th this book and, and, and where it's going to go with spiritual temperaments, I, I've, got a, I've got a big task in front of me. I've got to kind of lay out the entire theme of Scripture in just a few seconds. So I know that sounds like an audacious goal, but here's what I want to do. We, we have to kind of understand all of Scripture to understand where he's going. So in, if you open to the first two passages of Scripture, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God made everything literally perfect. Actually, what's really unique about the Scripture is if you open to the first two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, and then you jump to the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, you see in Genesis how God made everything perfect, and then in Revelation how God intends to make everything perfect again at the end. What's interesting, though, is after Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, everything kind of goes, you know, goes to crap. It goes to waste. Everything's ruined. Humanity decides in this point we're going to rebel against God. We, we, God, we don't want to do it your way. We want to do it our way. We want what's best for us. So we rebel against God, and God, being the gentleman he is, he says, okay, and, and we go. And because of that, this relationship with God is broken, and this, this disease or this sickness comes into the world, and, and it causes us to be selfish. It causes us to be prideful. It causes us to hurt each other instead of love and care for each other. Historically, this is known as sin. And sin becomes this, this problem with humanity all throughout Scripture. It, it distances us, and it, and, it, and it fractures this relationship that was created in the beginning. It fractures it and breaks us apart. 
And God said, the only way to restore it is, is to send my son who will come and he will take all of your sin and all of your sickness and all of the disease on him to restore that relationship back to me. And that's just what he did. The most famous scripture in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And all of the sickness and all of the sin went on him so that he could restore our relationship with God. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. That, that's kind of catching you up from Genesis all the way up through the Gospels, all, all the way into, into the book of Acts, is that we did something to break a relationship and God had to do something to initiate that relationship and bring us back. Think about it another way. Here's another analogy. Think about it like a, a, a wedding and a marriage. Jesus, he comes back and he initiates this relationship and he, and he offers us to come into this relationship with him. But, but we do something to, to, to break that relationship. The relationship maybe even gets started. Maybe we, we learn what it is to connect with Jesus and follow Jesus and we start the relationship. And that's a little like the wedding day, right? The, the, the wedding day comes and you start this relationship. You start this brand new thing and, and you, know, you put on a pretty dress and a handsome suit and you make a vow and you start your marriage, but the relationship's initiated. And we know many people who've dressed up and gotten pretty and made a vow and gotten married and have had awful marriages. The relationship may have been initiated, but it was never worked on. It was never progressed. It never seemed to grow. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, this is how <clears throat> the Apostle Paul would say it. He said this about Jesus in 1 Timothy. He said, there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God to humanity, and that is the man Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the one who came in to restore us to God, to initiate this relationship. And then it, it almost like it becomes part of us, that we have some responsibility and some ownership in taking this relationship and making it grow, of investing into it. There's a, a verse that, that is kind of the foundation for this series. It's actually really the foundation for the book and the foundation for what we're doing, for where we're going with this. And it's really, really, really simple. James, the brother of Jesus, he comes around a little later and he's, he's talking about this relationship that Jesus started. And he said, once the relationship is started, you have a part to play in this. And he, he makes these simple few words that are, are so incredibly true and so important for where we're going. He says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. That we all have a part to play. When you come close to God, when you find a way to connect with your heavenly father, he finds a way to connect with you. And that's ultimately what I want out of this series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into how this plays out. Today, I'm going to cover the nine uh, spiritual temperaments, the, the nine pathways, if you will, of how we can connect with God. But over the course of these few weeks, my hope is that you begin to discover yours and how you can connect and how you can form routines and habits and maybe change the way you've been doing things, maybe your whole life. Maybe you've been frustrated and dissatisfied with how things went, but, but through this, you'll discover a new way. Maybe if you're new to faith, you'll discover that it's, it's much easier than what you thought. It's not the 430 and Bible and devotional, like that picture we have in our mind. But there's a, a simpler way for you to connect and a simpler way for you to understand your Heavenly Father and for your Heavenly Father to understand you and who you are. So my hope is that you leave this and you don't feel like a spiritual disappointment, but you feel like there is a way, there is a practical way that I can begin connecting with my Father now. So we're going to look at the nine spiritual temperaments, and these aren't found in the Scripture. These are, are, are taken from um, kind of the observance of, of people and how people have behaved. One of the really unique things about the, the book and the study is that uh, throughout the time, um, 
the author kind of went through and, and did the research. He didn't start saying, well, there's nine of these and we have to find nine categories. He started by studying church history and studying people. And he began to see these, these rhythms and these habits in people. And then as he began to look back through church history, it became really obvious that these have existed for, for really hundreds and, and even thousands of years. If you know anything about the church, you know that, that we're not the only church, surprisingly. There are churches all around, all around our communities, all around the city. And, and these churches have different kind of factions and, and, and there's many different names. And it didn't start with just, you know, Journey Church, although that sounds awesome that we were the first. <clears throat> no, there was, there was one church and that church kind of, as it went along, people began to disagree. There was theological disagreements or, you know, you know uh, liturgical disagreements and how they functioned. And then they kind of splintered and they went their own way. Well, one of the things that Gary points out in his book is that what's really interesting is that one of the things that played into this is probably also has to do with somebody's spiritual temperament. That's how churches began to divide and how some churches began to grow. There's, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, and then there's, there's the Calvinists, and there's Baptists, and there's, you know, the, the revival tradition that happened in America. There's all of these, these different factions, and that's because we were all created a different way, and we all gravitate towards that. As a matter of fact, if you're here and you love Journey, you call Journey home, it's because you, you like the style, and you like the worship, and you, like the, you don't have to dress up on a Sunday morning. There's something about it that just feels like this is it. But you've tried to bring somebody with you, maybe a spouse or a child, or maybe you tried to bring a friend with you. And, and they come a few times, but they, they begin to ask you this question, and why do you keep going to that stupid church? And I know, journey, of course, I'm not stupid. But why do you keep going to that stupid church? Like, like it just, it's so boring, or it's so blah, or it's so loud, and there's lights. and it, It's because they're not wired the same way you are. They don't understand, and that's okay. God has made us all different. But that's something that, that I'm guessing probably draws you here. And for some of you, that's one of the things that maybe pushes you away from here. Because we're all wired differently. It's all, we're all part of, of this incredible experience of connecting with God. And it might look differently for you than it does for me. So we're going to dive into part, uh, the first one of these. The first spiritual temperament. The first way people connect with God. And that is the naturalists. Naturalists love <clears throat> they love God through the outdoors. These aren't people that just love taking a walk. They aren't you know, people that love in the, uh, excuse me, being in the woods. These are people that, that feel like it's a worshipful experience. Like they are, they are so connected to God or more connected to God when they're out experiencing God in nature. And I know, you know we live in Maine. This is like the, the best place for nature. So we all have an affinity for it. But is this where you connect to God the most? Is it walking through the woods where you feel like, like, like there's God and that's it, and I, and, and I, I experience God more taking walks in, in, in on trails than I do anywhere else? That's who a naturalist is. There's this really uh, incredible verse in Romans. The, the Apostle Paul says this, <clears throat> For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. That's what a naturalist does. They look out in nature and they, they see the beauty, but it's not just the beauty of nature. They experience God through nature. Maybe that's how you are. I have a, a, a daughter, Isabella. She's my oldest. She's 10. And oftentimes during the summer, she asks me, can we go out? Can we look at the sky? And even in, in winter on those clear nights where the, the moon just reflects, can we just go look at the sky? Can we look at the, the moon? And sometimes we'll sit around the campfire after the fire goes out and we'll just put our heads back and look. And Dad, it's amazing. I think that's some of her wiring. I, I'm, I'm guessing there's this thing in her where she just experiences the awe and the, the majesty and the glory of God throughout his nature. That's what a naturalist is. 
And, and if you're wired this way and, and you're not taking time throughout the week or throughout the month to get outdoors and experience, experiencing God, then you're stunting your growth. You're, you're stunting. You're not becoming the person that, and get this, that God created you to be. You're always going to be less than that. So if that's you, take some time. Go for a walk. Sit in the rain. Sit outside and look at the stars. Maybe you don't have to wake up at 4.30 and, and drink a cup of coffee and journal and read a Bible. Maybe you wake up and you just sit out on your front porch and you look at the trees and you, you experience God's beauty and God's wonder and God's majesty through the nature that God has created. Are you a naturalist? And get outdoors and experience God in nature. That was number one. <clears throat> number two, we have the naturalist. And then number two, uh, we have this, the sensate, loving God through their senses. And this is a little bit unique. This is somebody who experiences God through their, all of their senses, taste, smell, touch. Uh, th these are people that typically, they love communion because communion is like this, this tactile experience that they can, they can feel and it's part of, part of their, their kind of worshipful experience. These are people that are drawn to beauty. They, they, they experience God in, in the beauty that's all around them. These are, are, are people that uh, they, they wouldn't want to get married. When they think of getting married, they don't want to get married in an old renovated uh, library from a, a 1970s school building. They want to get married in gorgeous cathedrals where they can experience the grandeur and, and the beauty of God all around them. <clears throat> These are people that when they're praying, you may want to consider burning some incense. You, you may want to consider uh, doing things to help heighten your senses because that's how you connect. But if you try to fit yourself into a mold that's not for you, you'll always find yourself distracted. You'll find yourself uh, not really feeling like you can connect. So your struggle as a sensate is going to be doing what you can to bring these elements, these senses into your time with God so you can feel more connected, so you can experience God's presence with you. That was one naturalist, then there's sensates. Number three, there's the traditionalists. Traditionalists, they love God through ritual, ritual and symbol. Now, I have a lot of respect for uh, the traditionalists. Traditionalists are, are, are people who understand that we're not just living like a 2021 faith, but our, the faith has gone back, the Christian faith has gone back hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. That, that there's, there's so much to our faith that it's not just this new thing that's happening, but it has been around forever and ever and ever. And, 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 and they like the rituals. They like, they like the symbolism. They, they enjoy um, liturgy in, in a message. There aren't going to be a lot of traditionalists at Journey because if you haven't noticed, we're not a real traditional church. That these are the people that, that, that it, you may even find yourself here, and that's a little bit of a struggle because you enjoy some of that. You enjoy the, the traditional, the ritual. <clears throat> you can be here and still be a traditionalist. You just have to find ways of bringing tradition into your, your time with God. There's a, a book called The Book of Common Prayer. This was written for the Ang Anglican Church to help people experience worship experiences outside of a worship experience like on a Sunday or whenever you would have them. So if that's you, maybe consider getting the Book of Common Prayer and, and walking through some of these traditions. Or, or perhaps um, there are books that are, that are written, um, the Prayers of the Saints, that have been written for like over the course of hundreds of years, where saint, people have recorded these incredible prayers and they've been able to pray them uh, for, for themselves in, in private in their own devotional time. Maybe find a book like that, bring something into your time with God. If you appreciate tradition, if you appreciate ritual, if you appreciate symbolism, Find ways of bringing that into your own, your own time with God, into your own relationship with God, so that you can grow, so that you can connect with your Heavenly Father. Because the truth is, He is dying to connect with you. Do you love God through ritual? Do you love God through symbolism? Maybe you're a traditionalist. 
At the end of this, I'm going to point you to, to uh, a, a free survey. Uh, it's kind of a survey, but it's really an assessment. You answer some questions, and it's going to help you figure out exactly who you are and exactly how you're wired. That was number three. Number four is the ascetic. The ascetic, they love God through solitude and simplicity. Now, these are the type of people you won't find sitting at Starbucks on you know, any given day of the week with your Bible open. I know some of you do. I've seen you there. You, you sit in the corner, you got your headphones on, you got your Bible and your journal, and there's all this noise and commotion around you, and that's where you find the, like, your time. That's where you experience God the most. But for an aesthetic, absolutely not. This drives them crazy. They want simplicity. They want, they want solitude. They want quiet. They, they want to be alone, and it can be alone in the woods. It can be alone in a room. It can be alone in a car. They just need that kind of quietness. If that's you, don't go to Starbucks to do your devotions. It's not going to work. If, if that's you, and, and the truth is you're, you're a parent, good luck. Right? It, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. There's going to be constant noise. And you may have to find, find yourself like waking up earlier than your kids get up or maybe staying up later after your kids go to bed so that you can find those quiet times, that, that, those simple times, the moments of solitude. Now, I tend to be wired this way a lot. I, I, I like being alone, and I'll, I'll escape in my truck somewhere and just go be alone or go for a walk. And it's not nature that draws me in. It's, it's the quietness. It's the solitude. <clears throat> but if, you're, if that's how you're wired, I, I was doing some research, and I found this place in Windsor uh, called the, uh, the, I'm going to look at it, the Transfiguration Hermitage. I don't know the name of it. Um, but you can get away in there. They rent rooms and dorm rooms, and you can go, and it's completely quiet. Some of you techies would hate this. There's no internet. Um, it's completely like cut off, and you can be alone. You can spend the night, and you can experience uh, some of their prayer traditions. You can go on prayer walks and be a part of prayer classes and learn a little bit more about how they pray and how they do things. But if this is you, maybe you need to build this into your routine. Maybe once a quarter, you, you, you go and you get away. You go to Windsor, and you get some quiet, and you get some solitude, and you cut away, and you experience your Heavenly Father, and you grow in your relationship with Him. Maybe you're not an aesthetic. Maybe you're our next one. Maybe you're an activist. An activist, these are the kind of people that like to like pull up their sleeves and they want to get something done, right? These are the kinds of people, they, they, they love fighting for godly principles. That's how they love God. <clears throat> they come to Journey and, you know, the message is good, Jim, and the, the music's good, but, but when are we going to do something, right? Like, when are we going to get our hands dirty? And I know some of you, you're, you are the people that come and you talk to me. Oh, that's good, but, but what else is there? What else are we going to do? We, we need more to do. We need to, we need to get active. There's, they're bothered by the things they, they see in our culture, in our society, by racism and sexism, these things. that They really bother these people. They, they live in, in, in Penobscot County, and they hear that one in five children, this is an actual statistic, one in five children are born into poverty. And they think that has to end, and I need to, need to be a part of that solution. What can I do to be a part of it? If that's you, then you need to join us for Be Rich. Be Rich is a campaign we're, we're launching in the fall where we want to partner with local organizations and nonprofits to help them who are doing the, this kind of work in our community, who are being the activists, who are fighting poverty and fighting racism and sexism, caring for children and bringing food to the hungry. If that's you, if you're an activist, if you feel like I'm only here because I have to, but I just want to go get my hands dirty, you need to come and talk to us about this. And not just because we're launching something in the fall, but what can you do to maintain that throughout the year? How can you partner with these organizations and experience loving God by fighting for godly principles? Maybe, maybe you're an activist. If that's you, be rich this fall. Come and talk to us. Be a part of the team. Get your hands dirty. Love God by following your passions. Maybe that's not you. 
Maybe this next one's you. Maybe you're the caregiver. And if you're the caregiver, people love you when they're sick. You're the kind of person that you just love serving others. When people are sick, you're the ones who, who call them and you want to bring them a meal and you want to check in on them and what can I do and, and, and how can I help? You're just, you're drawn to caring for somebody's needs. There's this amazing scripture. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he kind of breaks away for a moment. And he looks at his disciples and he says, guys, <clears throat> when I was sick, you came and you cared for me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When, I, when you found me naked, you gave me clothes. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And his disciples are totally bewildered. They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? We've never seen you naked or hungry. I mean, you've walked on water. You make food for everyone else. We've never seen you thirsty. We never came to visit you. We, you've never been in prison. Jesus, what are you talking about? Literally, they're, they're totally bewildered. And Jesus looks at him and says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. That's the caregiver. These are the people that, that serve. And when they serve, they're not just serving people. See, they're the people you see here on a Sunday morning. They're holding doors and greeting you in the parking lot with a smiling face. And they're the ones who are in our children's ministry, caring for your children and, and teaching them uh, how to find a faith all of their own. Because we love teaching that to children, that they can develop a faith all of their own. They're the ones who are taking middle schoolers in, in transit and, and having heart-to-heart -heart conversations and walking them through their struggles. And every time they do that, every, every chance, they're not doing it because they feel like they have to serve people. They're doing it because as they're serving people, they see Jesus. They're serving Jesus. Every time they hold a door for you, they see Jesus in your eyes. Maybe you're a caregiver. If you're a caregiver and you're not on one of our volunteer teams, you are missing out. It is an incredible opportunity for you to use your gifts and the way you're wired to begin to care for others and serve others. If that's you, talk to us about joining one of our volunteer teams. Care for people. Serve others. Maybe that's you. If that is, then start using your gifts and using your wiring to care for people. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you're the next one, and this is the one that everyone loves. These are, are the enthusiasts. These are the people that love God through mystery and celebration. And, and at a, a church experience, you never have to wonder who the enthusiasts are. They're the ones that are the loudest all the time, all service. They're the ones that, that when worship comes on, both hands are raised and they're singing loud and they sing louder than everyone else. And it just so happens that as they're singing louder than everyone else, they always happen to be around you. And if, if you're sitting here thinking, I've never heard somebody like that in church, chances are it's you. <clears throat> they're the ones that laugh at all my jokes. They're the enthusiasts. They're the, they're the ones who, who just get excited. They, they want to worship and they want to sing. And the thing is, it's not that they even want to worship. They feel it's a need for them. They're the ones throughout the, throughout the pandemic. I know you and you know me. You were emailing me. When are we going to worship again? When are we going to sing again? Put another song out. I, 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 I need it. it. It didn't, like the whole church online thing, it, it, didn't, it wasn't satisfactory for you because you needed that worship experience. I have a little bit of this wiring in me. Enthusiasts, they love to listen to music and they love that kind of, to build things up, right? They go from Elevation to Hillsong to Bethel to Maverick City. They're just, they're constantly like building themselves up with worship. My wife never understands. She, why do you have to listen? I mean, there's always noise. Why do you have to listen to music? And why do you have to, why do you have to sing all the time? It's because that's a little bit of my wiring. Because that's how I experience God in ways. And, and for some of you, that's how you experience God. And, and if it is, then worship. For some of you, for an enthusiast, they'll, they'll come in here and they'll worship with their arms raised. And then they hear you singing something like, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. And they're like, set you free from what? 
Like, what are you listening to? Like, maybe he needs to set your arms free and set your face free because it's like you, somehow you're just listening to all the angry, sad Christian songs. If you're an enthusiast, own it. If you're an enthusiast and you love to sing and, and, and you love to, to, to play, maybe you play instruments, join our worship team. I'll put Chris on the spot. Go find him after service. We would love some more musicians. Maybe you think you're an enthusiast. Don't go talk to Chris. <clears throat> He'd appreciate that after. But maybe that's how you're wired. You get enthusiastic. You love to experience God, and you love to do it through, through worship and song and, and, and just being loud and vibrant and full of life. And if that's you, own it and worship and spend more on music than you do on other things because that's how you find life. Maybe it's not you. And if it's not you, maybe this next one's you. Maybe you're, you're a contemplative. Contemplatives love God through adoration. And this, to me, is the one where we all kind of build this up to be the, the, the pinnacle, if you will, of ways of connecting with God. This was some of the mentors I had that woke up at 4.30 in the morning, and, and they just, they love just spending time with God. I mean, for some of us, we do our devotions like walking places or, uh, God forbid, but even driving places. We'll pull up scriptures on our phone, and you know, we're driving on the steering wheel and the phone in the other hand, and we're just trying to get our scripture in quick before we get to work. And God, I got it in, I'm good. For somebody who's a contemplative, like, no, that's not even... That, like, that's not even starting. Like, it, it's not like a few minutes on the way to work. I need hours to just spend and enjoy the presence of God. I just love the presence of God. And if that's you, you need to know most people look, look to you and think, that's how everyone should do it. But it isn't. We're all wired differently. If it is you, then you need to craft out time of your day, time from your week to spend time with God. To take moments where you can go and just enjoy the presence of God. You're one of those people who's going to have to wake up early or go to bed late because 15 minutes in the morning to do your devotions and sing a few songs, that's not enough for you. If you're a contemplative, if you like waking up early, own it. Get up early. Get a good pot of coffee. I know some guy who makes incredible coffee. Read a Bible. Get a journal. That's how you were wired. But that isn't how we're all wired. And for those of you, for those of you who, who are on the outside feeling like, yeah, that, that's what I think I should be, and that's not you, here's what you, you need to remember. For hundreds of years, we didn't have the ability to do that. For, for, until, really, until Gutenberg and the Gutenberg Press came along, no one had the ability to get a Bible and sit on their front porch and read the Bible and, and, and journal. It, it wasn't possible. For hundreds of years after Jesus, most people didn't have the ability to do this. Even today throughout the world, there are still areas in the world where they don't have the Bible, where they don't have the ability to read the, the scriptures in their language. So perhaps that's not how God wired you. How did he wire you? What were you made to look like? Maybe you're a contemplative and you need hours. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're this last one. And this last one is the intellectual. Loving God through their mind and their understanding. I have a friend who does this, and he, he actually brought me into his study the last time I was at his house and showed me all his study books. These are the kind of people that have, like, stacks of books on their nightstand at night, and, you know, they have an Audible, and their Audible library is just through the roof. They can't get through books quick enough, and they have podcasts they listen to. They're the kinds of people who, who come to church here, and, and they hear the message, and it's great, but then they go home, and, you know, throughout the week, they're listening to seven other messages because they, they have to keep going. Their mind has to, has to keep going. They understand God best. Through, under, through learning more about him, through understanding more about who God is, their mind has to grow. 
My, my friend, when he brought me into a study, he showed me all of his colored pencils and his Bible and, and, and his study books. And he, he was like his greatest activity. He'd rather do this than watch college football. He'd rather sit down with his colored pencils and go through the scripture and, and highlight and, and mark different areas when it has to do with promises or, or prophecies about Jesus. Or, or He just highlights it and studies every nuance so he can learn more. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to get a set of colored pencils. Maybe you need to spend some time studying. Maybe you need to find a book. I've got a great suggestion. You can get this on Amazon. You can get it in Audible. How do you connect? For, for people that, that are intellectuals, here's, uh, I thought that this was really great. These are people that, for them, faith isn't simply an experience. It's something that needs to be understood. And the more they can understand, the more they feel connected to their Heavenly Father. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's how God wired you. So we have nine of them. Here are the nine spiritual pathways or sacred pathways or spiritual temperaments. Here's what I want you to do today. Over the next week, we've created this tool on our website. You can head out to our website, journeymain.com. There's a free tool there. I want you to take this tool. I want you to answer the questions. It'll email you back your results. It'll email you a link to this book. It'll email you a link to a guide that's going to, to actually walk you through your temperament a little bit and how you function and maybe some suggestions of how you can function better in that temperament or things that might be distractions for you. I want you to figure out what your temperament is. How do you connect with God? What are ways that, that you can kind of grow in that relationship? Maybe you've been doing it wrong for your whole life. And maybe just this week, it'll be the start of something brand new for you. It'll be the start of a brand new kind of relationship, a relationship that was initiated by Jesus. That if you were to do this work and do it right, and that's why I'm so excited about this. If you could figure this out, it could change the relationship with your Heavenly Father forever. And ultimately, that's really what I want for you. I think super easy. It's really easy. It's really fast. Once you take it, you'll get the results. Then you can email it to your friends or family. Start some discussion about it. Maybe sit with your wife or your spouse and, and, and talk about the, the challenges you have because you're wired this way and she's wired this way. And maybe coming to Journey is even a challenge for you because somebody wants to come and the other person doesn't because we're just wired a little differently. And if that's you, I know the tensions can, can kind of creep, creep up in marriage. If it's creeping up in your marriage, have an honest conversation. Maybe realize you don't have to attack each other. You're just wired differently. And you need to do things a little differently because of the way you're wired. Ultimately, here's what I want. As your pastor, here's what I want for all of you. I love the fact that we get to gather and we get to worship. I love the fact that we can come corporately, that we're, we're kind of back and we get to sing and, and we get to go to small groups and we get to pray with each other. I love all of that. And that is fantastic. And the truth is, we'll get to do that till Jesus comes back. But what I really want for all of you, I want you to connect with God in a way. I want you to, to, to not just start this relationship that Jesus initiated, but to then initiate that relationship on your own and grow in that relationship. I want you to grow and I want you to know your Heavenly Father. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say this to my kids all the time. My hope is to make you a better Christian, that you would grow in your relationship. For, for those of you here who are hearing this and you've already initiated this relationship with Jesus, this is you. You initiated it. You had the wedding. That's great. Now let's teach you how to have a great relationship. My hope is that, that that's what would happen over these next few weeks, that the relationship just wouldn't be started but that you'd initiate and you'd take steps and you'd grow in this relationship, that you'd form a personal relationship with your heavenly father. You see, I, I love that we can come to church and I love that we can pray and I love that we can worship. But honestly, I don't want you to be dependent on church forever. I want you to be dependent on God. I want you to own your faith. 
I want you to make it your responsibility to grow in that faith. What do you have to do to change the way you're connecting with God so that you could grow the best? How do you have to grow? What are things you might have to change? What I'd like you to do is take that assessment, figure out who you are, and then adjust how you've connected with God so you can connect better and you can become better Christians and better followers. In a moment, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask all of you here to, to take a step. To, maybe it's going onto our website. But for some of you, maybe it's initiating that relationship. Maybe you've never done it before and you've been to church or you've heard people talk about it. You, you've been here for a little bit and you've heard us talk about a personal faith and a personal relationship and how Jesus is, is a savior and God wants to become personal to you. And, and you're just kind of like, that just seems so weird to me. I just don't understand any of that. Maybe you, you've never taken a moment to understand that. I want you to take your first step this morning. So I'm going to ask all of you as we close to bow your heads and close your eyes. The worship team's going to come up. And we're going to sing some songs together. But before we do, if that's you and you're here and you feel like, like I want to take step one, I, I, I want to know God, but I, I don't. All I want you to do is just say a simple prayer. God, I, 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 I'm, I've made mistakes. I, I'm one of those people who suffered from that sickness, from that sin. And I want you to take it away from me. God, I want you to give me a new life. I know that you sent Jesus to take that away from me. And I trust him as my savior. If you say that prayer in your own words, any time of day, any way you say it, that is the prayer that God answers yes to every single time. All you have to do is confess it. So if that's you, I'm going to say a prayer. You can say the prayer with me. You can say it in your own words. And then I'll pray over all of us and we'll sing some songs. If that's you, just say this with me. Heavenly Father, God, I know I've made mistakes. God, I've suffered from that sickness, that sin. And God, I, I want to be rid of it. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you take it away from me? And would you give me a new life? Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and you are my Lord. And today I make you my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that prayer, all of heaven rejoices for you. If you could, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing some songs. I'm going to ask you to put your mask on if you don't have it. But before we sing, I just want to say a quick, pray a quick blessing over all of us, and especially all of you wonderful, gorgeous mothers out there. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for uh, this morning, for the opportunity we, we've had, Lord, to learn about ourselves, God, to grow, hopefully in a way that points us closer to you, that helps us take that step closer to you, to, to start maybe even our own personal journey. God, of developing a relationship with you. God, I pray for every person here, Lord, that we would take a step in your direction. First, that you'd give us the courage to do so. And God, that you'd give us the wisdom. God, God, to know which way to go, to know the things to bring into our time with you. And maybe, God, the things we need to get out of our time with you. But God, I pray that as we would do this over the next few weeks, we would begin to understand and to know and to grow in our relationship with you. God, for all of the mothers out there, for all the mothers that are here, that are listening, God, that are serving in other ministries, I pray an incredible blessing on them. God, I pray that they would feel cared for and loved for today more than they ever have, that their, their children's and their spouses would dote on them and show them how valuable they are, God, because their influence is, God, insanely valuable. It means the world to us. And as Brian said earlier, without them, Lord, we wouldn't even be here. So bless our moms. Give us a wonderful Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.